Today is a special day. This is something that I do every single year at the beginning of the new year where I kind of give a church talk, okay? Maybe a, uh, I don't want to call it a motivational speech or anything like that, but the idea is kind of going back and looking at what our values are as a church and um, why this week is such an important week for us as a church body. Every year we begin the new year, our first full week of the year, with a week of prayer and fasting. And this year, January 1st, today is on a Sunday. It kicks off uh, this week of prayer and fasting. And uh, so I'm going to share a little bit about that. And then next week, starting next week, I'm going to start a brand new series in the book of Mark. And it's the last of the four Gospels uh, that I will be preaching through. Uh, in In the past few years, I've preached through Matthew and Luke and John. And it's been so much fun uh, going through all three of those Gospels. Mark is the final one. It's a great book. It's the shortest of all the Gospels, but we'll take it from next week until Easter Sunday. So uh, for the next three months, we'll be going through that book, looking at the life of Jesus. There's so much that we can learn from his life. Um, And every single author that's written one of the Gospels comes at it from a different perspective and gives us a different understanding of who Jesus is and you know, I was, I was, uh, I saw this the other day. I was reading something. I don't even remember where I saw it, but I was reading something, and it was talking about the fact that um, the Bible holds such a high place uh, in our values as as Christians, and it should, and it's our ultimate authority. We we look at the Bible um, as the Word of God, but ultimately the. The first picture of the word of God, like the first communication of who God is that that Jesus talks or that the Bible talks about, the most important um, picture of who God is, is the picture that's given to us through his son, Jesus. And as we look at the life of Jesus, we're here gathered here today not to worship a book, Right, even though the Bible is important and it's an it's significant insight into who God is, we're here to worship a person, and that person is Jesus. And so, as we look at His life, as we unwrap who He is, and we learn more about who Jesus is, um, that brings us closer to the character and the nature of God. It, it it brings us into unity together as the church body. It's it's all about Jesus and who He is. And so let's. Let's get excited to study that together and look at that together. Um, We're looking forward to that. Uh, This morning, I want to just quickly go over, um, first of all, our core values as a church. Um, You'll hear me talk about these things from time to time, Um, but there are three things uh, when I started as pastor here that we kind of sat down and identified as these are the three things that are driving everything that we do here at this church. Everything we do at least most of the time, fits into one of these three categories. These are our why, okay? These are why we do what we do. The first one is relationship with God. It's not religious form, but it's a real connection with our Heavenly Father. It's it's understanding that God wants to have interaction with us, that He wants to know us and have relationship with us. And how incredible of a privilege is that? How amazing is that, that the God who created the universe wants to know us and have relationship with us? I think that's one of the things that, that uh, maybe separates us from any other religion in the world. I don't know of a single religion where God wants to be in relationship with his people other than Christianity in this way, that we have direct access to our Heavenly Father And through the the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that we can enter into his presence. And that motivates and drives everything that we do. So it it, it starts with that. It's it's this process of discipleship, of of becoming a believer, of converting to Christianity, of choosing to follow Christ. And then growing in our relationship with him and growing closer to him and becoming more like him as he changes who we are from the inside. And so there are a lot of things that fit in this category, things that we do here at this church. One of them is worship. In case you didn't notice, worship is one of the cornerstones of this church and what we do. Um, we, We place a lot of value on worship because we were designed as people to worship God. Bible tells us that that God is searching the earth 
looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we want to do that both in truth, in accuracy, in declaring who God is and, and the reality of, of his nature and character, and then also in spirit with our heart. We want to worship him with our whole heart as well. Um, another thing that we do is preaching. We preach the Bible here. Um, the Bible is God's word written for us. We take it seriously. It's our highest form of authority here on this earth. We are governed by what the scripture teaches. Um, another thing that we do that uh, affects our relationship with God is prayer and fasting. I'm going to come back to that at the end. And then uh, another one is tithing. Now, you might think this is weird to put that under relationship, uh, but this is something that we do because it's an act of obedience to something that God has commanded us to do. Uh, scripture tells us to do it, and it's, it's, a, um, it's a step in our relationship with God. It's understanding that uh, God's word gives us instruction, and we're to be obedient to that word. Now, I want to uh, just brag on this church for a little bit for a second. This year, we took a big step in that area. Um, now, maybe some of you started tithing for the very first time this year. I don't know who you are. I don't look at people's tithing records. I have no idea what you give or what you don't give. Um, but can I tell you something? In April, I preached a series on tithing. And in February, we're going to have our annual meeting. And you're going to see what happened after that, after that series in our, in our giving this year. It's an incredible testimony of how God uh, has... Um, given us instruction and how we are responding in obedience to that. So thank you for your faithfulness in that. Let's keep that up in this new year as well. And by the way, I want you to know something. If you have a testimony, if uh, maybe you started tithing this year or maybe God challenged you to give generously in some way, share your story with us. I, I'm so confident of God's blessing through this process that as we're faithful in that area, that God blesses and honors that. I know that there are testimonies out there of how God showed his faithfulness to you, and those testimonies need to be shared, right? People need to hear God's faithfulness in your life as well. So come and tell me about that. I'd love to hear your story, uh, and then uh, let's share that with others as well. And don't be uh, afraid of what people might think of you and rob that blessing of sharing that testimony. Um, another area that uh, we we focus on with relationship are, are some classes. And uh, this, these are some things that we've done from time to time. Uh, one of the things that we have coming up is a course called the Alpha Course. And we've done this several times. Uh, in the last year, for the first time, we did this in conjunction with Love, Inc. They have classes that are going on here uh, every Monday night called Fresh Start. And there are a number of different areas where they, um, where they give classes to people and they give assistance to those who need help as well. And so we offered an Alpha course as part of that program. And we had both people from our church, people that people from our church invited, and then people from Love, Inc. as well that all participated in this class. And Alpha is really, it's, it's an opportunity to ask questions about God, about who he is, about the Bible. It's an opportunity to get some of those answers to your questions and to, and to voice those questions in a way that will allow you to explore faith in Christ. It's really an amazing class. Um, there, there are probably two groups of people that I would recommend Alpha for. One of them is for somebody who's a brand new believer in Christ. Um, if you want to kind of learn some fundamentals about Christianity and uh, what it means to follow Christ, this is a great opportunity for you to kind of go down that path. Uh, another group of people that this would be great for is someone who doesn't yet know Christ but is curious or has questions or, or wonders um, what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Maybe they're searching for meaning somehow. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, we all have people in our lives that we maybe had conversations with that are in that boat, that they're, they're not settled with what they believe and they have questions and they want to know Christ. And, and this is an opportunity. Um, these classes are happening on Monday nights. They start January 23rd. And if you would like to invite someone to come to that class, what we'd encourage you to do is not only invite them to go to that class, but say, I'll go with you and, and sit with them through that class and let them hear about what it means to follow Christ. Um, it's, it's a really amazing course. It's really well done. 
Each night, there's going to be a meal that's provided with it, too. So we meet here at 5.30. We eat together with all the different Fresh Start classes as well. And then uh, at 6 o'clock, we go and do the Alpha course. It's a one-hour class. We're done by 7 o'clock. It's, it's just a really great opportunity. So if you're interested in that, if you're curious about that, if you want to invite a friend, um, we're going to have uh, invite cards next week that you can grab and, and use those to hand out as well. But if you have any questions and you want to talk to me about it, please do so. Um, another kind of class that we have coming up, we have a marriage weekend coming up in February, Valentine's Day weekend. Uh, we're going to uh, be doing a marriage weekend. It's going to be, we're going to have a video series. We're going to eat dinner together as couples. It's going to be a great time. So if you want to invest in your marriage, um, that's one of the things that uh, scripture teaches a lot about is having a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship. And so as we're investing in our marriage relationship, we're investing in our relationship with God as well. Uh, so plan to be a part of that. Uh, we'll have more information in the next couple of weeks on that too. Okay, so relationship with God, first core value. Second one is our community, our community with each other, our relationship with the rest of the body of Christ. You know, Christianity was never meant to be practiced alone. There's no such thing as a solo Christian, okay? Uh, Christianity was always intended to be part of the family of God. It was intended to be done with others. From the very beginning, that's how it started. And we practice that community in a number of different ways. One of the ways that we do that is through our small groups. Now, you'll notice on the seats in front of you, there's some cards that have our different small group meetings. We actually have six different groups, but one of them is full. So these are the, the five that are open and available for you to join. And we would love for you to take one of these cards and sign up on westpoint.org slash groups. Um, and you can, you can uh, sign up to be a part of a group. Or you can just tell us, hey, I want to be a part of this group or connect with one of the leaders and we can just sign you up directly. But this is something that we genuinely believe that everybody should be a part of uh, here at this church. And then some of the other things that we do, like we, we have events like we're going to have this afternoon where the purpose of the afternoon, when we get together for small groups, like there's relationship with God building too. We're studying God's word and there's other purposes. Sometimes we just do things just to hang out with people and, and have a good time and get to know each other. That's important. You know, that's, that's actually a spiritual practice, hanging out together, fellowshipping together. It doesn't have to be a Bible study all the time. It doesn't have to be serious all the time. We can just enjoy each other's company, and that's part of being a part of the body of Christ. So relationship with God, community with each other, and then the last one is a mission to reach the world. A mission to reach the world. As believers, we're not just invested in our own personal growth, but we are invested in the commission that God has given to us. A couple of weeks ago, I preached specifically on this idea, on our mission as a church. And one of the things that uh, we are involved in is um, using what God has given us for resources, investing that in, in projects to meet the need around the world of the gospel message going forward. Um, I just want to give you an update, first of all. Um, a number of you have made commitments to Kingdom Builders, and this is our, um, this is our plan for uh, missions giving in 2023. We have two different projects. One of them is our camp at Lake Geneva is doing a building project, and the other is Priority One, and they build Bible colleges around the world, and uh, we've been a part of uh, that organization for a while and uh, partnering with them to, to help that process. Now, uh, I I asked a couple of weeks ago in December uh, for you to be a part of this, and uh, I want to give an update. As of right now, we set a goal of $20,000. We're currently at $16,500 in pledges, so that's phenomenal. Um, so thank you for your generosity, for those of you who committed and signed up for that. Uh, if you haven't yet, can I encourage you, just be a part of this, right? This is something that we do together. It doesn't have to be a big amount. For those who have given so far, can I just say that uh, there's been a lot of very generous gifts. And I'm so thankful for, um, for those who have given so generously. 
Um, maybe you're not at that point yet where maybe all you can do is, is $5 or $10 a month. Do something to be a part of this. Like, we're in this together, and every little bit matters, right? It's your heart. It's your commitment um, to this project. So find a way to partner with us and to invest in that. Uh, these forms are available at the information desk. You can just grab one of these and make a commitment for 2023. Let's get to that 20,000 mark. Uh, I'd love to see that happen, uh, and I know that, that God will honor that as you, as you give generously. But thank you to those of you who have already committed to that as well. Now, um, those are our core values. Relationship with God, community with each other, and a mission to reach the world. And, and that mission is accomplished through a lot of different other ways, too. Um, some of the things that we do, partnering with Loving for the, for the back-to-school uh, event that we do every year and, and giving uh, backpacks with school supplies to families in need. That's a way that, that we're, we're sharing the love of Jesus with our community. Um, we did an event last year where we, we did our 4th of July church service on the fairgrounds at uh, the Delano um, 4th of July celebration. And that was just such an awesome event. We partnered with a couple other churches. Uh, we preached the gospel. We gave people an opportunity to respond to Christ. Uh, we're planning to do that again this year if they let us back. So, um, you know, there are, uh, this, is, this is something that we're invested in, that people will come to know Jesus in our community and all around the world. And we do that through giving. We do that through um, going ourselves. Um, some of you have been on missions trips and, and gone on missions trips before. That's something I would love to see grow at our church as we continue to develop that. Our youth group's planning to take a trip this summer. We're excited for them. Uh, there, there are lots of opportunities to move the gospel forward, and we get to be a part of that process, whether it's individually witnessing to our neighbors, sharing our faith with somebody, inviting them to church, inviting them to Alpha. Um, that's our mission, and that's what God has called us to do. Now, there are three things that we ask each person who considers West Point their home church to do at West Point. Three things, really simple. First one is to be here, to be here consistently. Um, the average church attender comes once every three weeks. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't consider that regular, okay? Like, like nobody's like, uh, I eat every three weeks, right? We, maybe we should try that for fasting next year. Instead of fasting for one week, we'll eat every three weeks, right? How many would sign up for that? We'd have the worst um, prayer and fasting attendance ever, <laughs> right? Being a healthy Christian is like being a healthy person. There are things that contribute to your health, like being a healthy person. You have to eat a healthy diet. You have to get sleep. You have to exercise. All of those things go into your health as a person. And in the same way, being a healthy Christian, um, unless you're spending time in prayer, in studying God's word, in gathering with other believers, and in participating in the Great Commission, if all of those things aren't a part of your life, you're not going to be a healthy Christian. So God has called us to community. He's called us to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And in order for you to experience the benefits of following Christ, you need to be here on a regular basis. Um, second thing is to be a part of something outside of Sunday morning. Uh, this is why we push small groups so hard, right? This is why we talk about small groups, because you can only do so much on a Sunday morning. Right? You can only have kind of those surface-level conversations. Like It's hard to get into uh, the real nitty-gritty of what's going on in your life with other people and, and walk through the, the hardship of life when you, when you have a short conversation on a Sunday morning. Right? Rarely do we get past, like, what are the Vikings going to do today? What's the weather like? We talk about those things, and then, oh, maybe we get to a little bit more than that on a Sunday morning, but we're limited in what we can talk about. When you get together with people in a small group, or we have a, a men's Bible study, a women's Bible study, uh, those are opportunities to go a little bit deeper, to study God's word together, to pray for one another. And those things are important. And so we believe that every person who considers West Point Church their home should be a part of something more than just a Sunday morning. 
So join a small group, okay? I'm going to say it again, all right? And then the third thing is to serve. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I shared that we had a need for people to serve in our kids' area. Now, um, my wife is our, our kids' director, so I got a direct report on this one. But several of you stepped up in a big way, and we're so grateful for that. I, I think we added eight new volunteers um, after, after I shared that need. Uh, thank you, right? This, this church is not what it is because of the pastor or the staff. Uh, it's not the organization that makes this church what it is. It's the people. It's the body of Christ doing the work of ministry. That's what the church is about. So we have, we have structure and we have leadership and we have organization to help us in that process. But that's not the point, right? The point is for the church to be activated in their faith and to do what God has called them to do. And so it's only by your faithfulness, by your commitment, by serving in a ministry, by leading a small group, by greeting people in the morning, by serving in kids' ministry, uh, by whatever it might be that, that God has called you to do as part of this church. That is how this church moves forward. That's how this church functions. That's how we're able to do what we're able to do. It's God's people working together. So show up, be a part of something outside of Sunday morning. And serve in one area. That's what we ask everybody who considers this their home to do. And then there's another step in the process, and that step is membership. Um, and uh, one of the things that our board decided to do this year, um, we're proposing an amendment specifically about membership and our bylaws this year to simplify uh, kind of the outline of what it looks like to be a member. And so we're going to be presenting this at our annual business meeting, but we wanted to share it with you if you're interested in advance. And so we printed out some of these, and these are available at the information desk if you want to pick these up. Um, but we, we asked that each member be five things. Now, the list before, there was like 20 different things on there, and it was very convoluted and hard to understand. Um, and we wanted to just be very simple about what it means to be a member and that a member does five things, okay? And, and none of these are new things. They were already in there. Um, but the first one is that they should be a believer, a committed Christ follower, baptized in water unless medical conditions prevent, and giving evidence of a consistent Christian life in, lines, in line with the principles of Scripture. The second one is that they should be an attender, they should regularly participate in the worship services at West Point Church. The third one is that they should be a giver, that they should support West Point Church in the, forms, in the form of tithes and offerings. That they should be a server, that they should be actively involved in the ministries of church. And that they should be a unifier, that they should seek unity with other believers within the church, honoring and respecting the staff and leadership team, and not actively looking to stir up dissension or division within the church. Pretty simple, right? And so that's kind of the heart behind this. Now there's more to um, what we'll be proposing because there's some like of the legal stuff that needs to go along with it. I'll let you uh, read that for yourself if you want to check that out. That's available to you. Um, but we want people to have a clear understanding of, hey, if I am a member of this church, here's what I'm, I'm committing to. Here is, is what it means to be a member. And uh, I want to uh, I'm going to be a part of that. So take a look at that. Uh, we are also going to have a membership class on January 11th. And so if you're interested in becoming a member at this church um, and you want to be a part of that, our class is January 11th, and we do that because our annual business meeting is in February. So if, if you'd like to be a part of that, it's a Wednesday night. Uh, we'll meet here at 630. It takes about an hour to go through everything. We talk a little bit about the church and what it means uh, or, and what West Point has been about in the past and, and, and uh, what uh, some of the things that I'm sharing this morning you'll hear again uh, in that class along with some, some additional things about our structure and, and what we believe. So if you'd like to be a part of that class, uh, January 11th, um, you can let us know. Okay, uh, so those are the three things. Uh, show up each week, be a part of something else out of Sunday morning, and serve in some area, and then 
the next step would be membership. Now, I want to talk a little bit this morning about prayer and fasting. This is our week of prayer and fasting. And I want to talk about why we pray and fast. Um, and before I forget to mention it, uh, these are available. This is a prayer and fasting guide. Okay, uh, this explains kind of some of the practical stuff, uh, as well as some of the scriptural principles behind fasting. Um, and if you're interested in that, these we have a few of these available at the information desk. You can grab one of those if you have questions about fasting. Um, this is something that's really important to me. Uh, this was one of the first things that I did when I became uh, your pastor in December of 2014. I started out January of 2015 with a, a week of, of fasting. And I pretty much, I didn't necessarily ask anyone to, to come alongside me and, and do this with me um, the first time. That was more of an individual thing. I didn't know you well enough to ask you to not eat for a week. Uh, but the next year in 2016, uh, we kind of started this process of starting the year with a week of prayer and fasting. This is something that I believe in strongly, that I believe is the foundation of uh, what we do for ministry. And so I want to share a little bit of my heart behind that and some of the scriptural principles behind why we pray and fast. And I want to talk about both praying corporately, which is something that we're going to be practicing this week, and then also um, fasting. So um, prayer and fasting are, are disciplines, right? There's something... Um, that can add tremendous value to your spiritual life. But here's the deal. If you don't do them, they won't benefit you, right? That, that might sound simple, but it's true. So I want to convince you that God initiated both the corporate prayer of a church and that his purposes are accelerated when we pray and fast together because of what he does inside of us. Now, understand that this message is not to minimize personal prayer, right? Uh, but rather to show you that personal prayer alone uh, is not enough, that God has called us to come together as a church, as a body of believers, and pray together. So I want to give you some examples of what happened in the New Testament as how uh, they established prayer within the church there are a lot of different examples in just a very short time in one book, in the book of Acts, in chapter 1, verse 13, and then through 2, verse 1, it says that there were 120 gathered together in an upper room, and they were praying in one accord when Pentecost comes, and the Holy Spirit comes in that moment. Um, it happened at a prayer meeting, right? It happened when they were gathered together and praying together. And often, moves of God happen when people come together to pray. Uh, in Acts one twenty four, it, it says the disciples prayed for wisdom in knowing who Judas' replacement should be. So when they made it, when they had to make an, a critical decision about who um, was going to replace Judas, it ended up being this guy named Matthias. Right? When they were deciding who that was going to be, they gathered together to pray about it. Um, when Peter and John reported the Sanhedrin's threats, uh, those, they gathered together and cried out to God in one accord for boldness. And it says that the place was shaken where they prayed. This is from Acts chapter 4, verse 24, and then verse 31. Acts 6.6 6 tells us that the church prayed over the seven men appointed to serve the widows. This church was starting a ministry to reach out to uh, widows who were in need, and the first thing that they did was pray over the men who were responsible for running this ministry. Uh, Acts 12, 1 through 11 says, after James was martyred and Peter was imprisoned by Herod, the church was praying together and God miraculously delivered Peter from his cell. If you've ever read that story before, it's an awesome story of God rescuing Peter and uh, him walking out of jail in the middle of the night, and he knocked on the door, and uh, they wouldn't let him in the door. They, the, they were so shocked about him showing up, 
They, they didn't even believe that their own prayers were going to work. And God answered their prayer in that prayer meeting. And it's incredible. Sometimes we do the same thing. Like we pray because we know we're supposed to, but we don't believe that it's actually going to do anything. When in reality, there's power behind our prayers. Um, in uh, Acts 13, when the prophets and teachers were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas to go on their first missionary journey. The most incredible missionary that our world has ever known, the Apostle Paul, was launched from a prayer meeting. Acts 16.25, Paul and Silas were praying when God sent an earthquake that resulted in the conversion of their jailer and their release. Uh, in Acts 9, uh, Peter was alone on the, the rooftop when he had this famous vision of, of God leading him to share the gospel with a Gentile named Cornelius. It was that moment of private prayer that stirred him to do something public. Personal prayer and corporate prayer work together um, to accomplish God's plan of prayer in our life. Um, there are a lot of examples throughout our history as well and how corporate prayer launched something, how it was a springboard for these moves of God I want to mention just a couple of them. In 1857, America was riding the wave of a strong economy, and as tends to be the, time, the truth in times of prosperity, there's a radical decrease in the interest of the things of God. Isn't that funny? How when, we're, when things are going well, we tend to ignore God, and we tend to trust in ourselves, and, and when things start to go badly, that's when we turn to Him. I'm so grateful that God doesn't hold that against us, right? Um, but in, in this time of prosperity, there was a decrease in the interest of the things of God. But there was a man named Jeremiah Lampier who uh, had a, led a call to prayer. And he started tacking up notices in New York City for a weekly prayer meeting on Wednesday from noon till one at a rented space on Fulton Street. And the first prayer meeting was on September 23rd, 1857. Six people showed up. That would be a little bit discouraging. I mean, if you're like posting notices all over New York City and you're inviting people to come, the, one of the biggest cities in the world, and six people show up. Uh, and they didn't just arrive until just before 1230. So not only did only six people show up, they showed up a half an hour late. <laughs> the next week, jumped to 20. And the numbers continued to climb week by week on October 10th of that year. Just a couple weeks after this prayer meeting, the stock market crashed. And financial panic ensued. And trouble had its humbling effect. And the hearts of many turned to the Lord. It wasn't long until between 10 and 50,000 businessmen were meeting every day in New York City to pray at noon. By week 15, the meetings switched. Weekly wasn't good enough. They switched it to a daily prayer meeting. And by 1858, one year later, this prayer movement led to the second great awakening in our country. Estimates are that a million Americans out of a population of 30 million at the time were converted in less than two years. And it started with a prayer meeting of six people. Come on, like that, that should get you excited. Listen, there have been times where we've had prayer meetings with, with about six people. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> what's going on here? But you know what? There's hope in that, right? God can use the faithfulness of his people to launch something incredible. Reese Howells, a, a Welsh coal miner, journeyed to South Africa as a missionary in 1910 in response to an increasing burden from the Lord, six weeks after arriving, he joined in a prayer meeting. Out of that came the sweeping work of the Holy Spirit. They had two revival meetings a day for 15 months, and all day on Friday, thousands were converted as a result. Listen, there are a lot more stories of how corporate prayer became the springboard for a mighty movement of God. Um, but I want to just emphasize one more thing. Um, praying together works. It makes a difference. Did 
you know that right now the gospel is sweeping through the globe at a rate that is, it has never uh, happened in history before? In fact, um, there's a recent study that says that 70% of the total number of people who have been saved throughout history came to Christ in the last 100 years. All right, think about that. Christianity is 2,000 years old. 70% of all of Christianity's history has come to Christ in the last 100 years. That's pretty incredible. Um, in fact, 70% of those people were saved since 1990. Right? So the gospel is making an impact in our world today. <laughs> I, I mean, in Nepal right now, uh, there were, there were 2,000 Christians in 1990. 2,000 total Christians in the entire nation of Nepal. Uh, Ten years later, that number had grown to a half a million. Today, there are multiple million believers in Nepal. Cambodia had 600 believers in 1990. In 2000, there were 60,000 believers. In fact, we've been a part of building uh, church planning centers and, uh, and Bible training centers in the country of Cambodia. The gospel is exploding there right now in a, in a place where there was almost nothing. In Korea in the 20th century, um, the country advanced from being 2% Christian to about 40% Christian today. I mean, think about that. That's incredible. East Africa is experiencing one of the greatest movements of God in history. In Uganda alone, AIDS once claimed the lives of one-third of the population. The World Health, World Health Organization predicted the complete collapse of the Ugandan econ economy by the year 2000. But revival came to Uganda, and with the salvation also came a transformation in the morals of that country so that AIDS went down to 5%. I, I mean, this is like tangible proof of what the gospel can do in people's lives. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, in, Tanz in Tanzania right now, we've been specifically a part of this movement um, the Assemblies of God in Tanzania, their leader, Dr. Barnabas, uh, he had a vision that God gave him to plant 10,000 churches in 10 years. By the way, at the time, there were less than 2,000 churches in Tanzania. And so less than 2,000 churches in 10 years, we're going to plant 10,000 more, five times as many in 10 years. Well, they didn't plant 10,000. They planted 11,000. And now there are millions of believers that have come to Christ over the last 10 years in the, in the nation of Tanzania. And God has given them a heart not only to, to reach, uh, continue to reach those in the villages and, and in the most remote parts of Tanzania, but also to reach the Muslim part of Tanzania, which is a stronghold for the enemy right now. And God is moving in a powerful way, and now we're seeing um, Muslims leave the Muslim faith and convert to Christianity in Tanzania, and God is moving, continuing to move. They, they have a, a vision to plant 20,000 churches in the next 13 years in Tanzania. It's incredible what God is doing there. In almost every part of the globe, Christianity is advancing. There's four areas where it's not. North America... Japan, Australia, and Western Europe. Guess what is the common denominator in every area where the gospel is going forward? I believe it's Christians praying together. And I believe that, that what's happening around the world, it's not that it's impossible for it to happen here too. It's that God's church needs to come together and pray and believe for transformation, and begin to enact what God has called us to do. So we need to pray, and we need to pray together as a church.
But then fasting, why do we fast? Well, there are a lot of different examples of why we fast in Scripture. Um, one of the, the reasons was they fasted in war or at the threat of it. Uh, so when war was approaching, in fact, uh, in Judges 20, 26, Israel fasted at Bethel because of the war against the Benjamites. In 1 Samuel 7, 6, uh, they were at war with the Philistines and they fasted. Um, they fasted when loved ones were sick. David fasted and wept for his son while the boy was ill. Um, the psalmist also mentions in Psalm 35, fasting for his enemies. Um, another one is when loved ones died. The men of Jabesh Gilead fasted seven days for Saul when he passed away. David and his people fasted for Saul and Jonathan in 2 Samuel 1.12. Um, another reason is that they fasted when they sought God's forgiveness. There are a lot of examples of this in Scripture. Um, Moses fasted 40 days because of the sin of Israel in Deuteronomy 9. Ahab fasted to be forgiven in 1 Kings 21. Um, Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, fasted after they heard um, the message of, that Jonah preached in Jonah chapter 3. Uh, Daniel fasted as he confessed the sins of Israel in Daniel chapter 9. And uh, the general fast at the communal reading of the law by Ezra was an act of penitence in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. Then they also fasted when they were faced with impending danger. So Jehoshaphat fasted when Edom was threatening them in 2 Chronicles 20. Ezra led a fast when seeking the favor of God uh, for his return from exile. Nehemiah fasted when he heard the state of Jerusalem in, in Nehemiah chapter 1. The Jews fasted when they heard that Haman had obtained the king's decree against them in Esther chapter 4. And Esther and Mordecai fasted before she went before the king in Esther chapter 4. They also set up fasts to commemorate certain things. Um, so uh, during the and after the time of exile, special fasts were observed on the days where calamities had befallen Jerusalem. The tenth of the fifth month was the burning of the temple in Jeremiah 52. The second day of the seventh month was the murder of Gedaliah in 2 Kings 25. And, and there are a few more that fit that category as well. So there are six biblical reasons to fast. And you might think, well, we're not at war. Um, nobody's died. Uh, we don't have impending danger right now. Um, but can I give you um, the most important reason why we fast? This is the primary reason why I believe that fasting is so important for us to do as a church. It's because Jesus said that's what his followers would do. Now, um, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's an easy discipline, right? Fasting is something that's incredibly difficult. Um, we like food, right? I like food, at least. And, and food is a big part of our culture. It's even a big part of our church fellowship. Like, we, we like to eat together. Um, but choosing to fast is saying no to our flesh so that the Spirit can take a more active role in our life, that we're starving our flesh so that we can be led by his spirit. Now, um, just to give you a little bit of my personal history with fasting, um, about, let's see, it would have been 17 years ago now, which that seems like a very long time ago, or no, 18 years ago, um, we had a new pastor at the church that I was at, at Bethel's Rock, and um, when he came, one of the things that he told me is, is we're going to pray and fast regularly. Now, at that point, I had never fasted uh, before, except for one time. I fasted for three days. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, <laughs> and uh, he said, well, we're going to start out the year with a two-week fast. And I said, okay, let's do it. It can't be that hard, right? Uh, can I tell you something? It was hard. <laughs> like, it was hard. It was a challenge. Um, and uh, I learned something that first year that we did that. Uh, that if it's going to be about the not eating, that you're just going to be miserable. And for me, that first year that we did it, it was about the not eating. 
right? I was just, I willed myself to get through those two weeks without eating, and I was miserable every single day. And the next year I said, I am not doing that again in that way. I'm going to choose to make this time meaningful, and I'm going to make it about feeding my spirit. I'm going to spend time in prayer and in God's word, and I'm not going to focus on what I'm depriving myself of rather than focus on what I'm filling myself with. It was a revolutionary change for me. It changed the process of prayer and fasting, and that second time it went so much easier, and it was so much more fulfilling and rewarding. You know, all of the biblical examples uh, in the Bible uh, of fasting are great, um, but there's still kind of that feeling of like, what's the point of this? Have you ever wondered that before? I mean, wondered, does this really make a difference? Does this really matter? Can I tell you something? Jesus wouldn't have told us to do it unless it really mattered. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 9 what he said. In verse 14, it says, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, and this was John the Baptist, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. This is something that Jesus said we are going to do. So can I be blunt for just, just a, a minute here? Some of you are thinking, I you thought you already were being blunt. Okay, I'm going to be a little more blunt. <laughs> if we want to see our community change for Christ, then we need to prove it by coming together to pray and fast. Otherwise, it's just words. Listen, we can lament the direction of our country we can complain about its leaders and its moral degradation. But if we're not willing to stand together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we really don't have anything to complain about. And if we're not supporting our leaders in prayer, then can we really complain when they make bad decisions? You know, there's, there's a lot of reasons to pray and fast that we've talked about today. But for me, it's just a simple act of obedience, saying, okay, this is something that you've called us to do, and I want to see God's kingdom established here on this earth. So I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to choose to submit myself to this. It's not easy, but it's important. And I'm going to do it. So I'm going to ask you to partner with me this week. Uh, this is the easiest year that it's ever been. Normally we start on a Sunday. We're starting on a Monday this, this year uh, because Sunday landed on New Year's Day. Um, so eat and enjoy the party today. Pack on the, the pounds with the chili this afternoon and then join us for prayer and fasting. Now I realize that not everybody can... Uh, fast for five days. Um, so if, if uh, you want to take that challenge on and you want to try it, I encourage you to go for it. Um, but if not, fast one day or two days or three days. Um, or if food fast isn't an option, I know some people, uh, for health reasons, they're not able to do that. Um, fast something else. Fast uh, social media or, or do something to be a part of this. And then join us for our prayer meetings. If you go to westpoint.org slash pray23, this is our uh, kind of hub. This has all the information that you need for prayer and fasting. Um, you, can, you can also sign up and, uh, to pray and fast with us, but it also has the schedule for our prayer meetings this week. On Monday, we're going to gather right in this room and pray for your friends and family who don't know Christ. This is something we've done every year for the past seven years now. And uh, it's a really powerful time. You're going to want to be a part of it. We're believing for God uh, to move in the lives of our family and friends. On Wednesday, we're going to meet back in the fellowship hall. We're going to gather together and pray for our church. We're going to pray for needs within the body of Christ. If you have something that you're going through right now, you need people to come alongside you and pray with you, come on Wednesday night and pray with us. And we'll, we'll 
pray for you specifically and what's going on in your life as well. And then Friday, we're going to celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness. We're going to worship the Lord and, uh, and celebrate the victory that he's given, through it, given to us through his son Jesus. So um, it's going to be a great time of worshiping together, and that will conclude our time of prayer and fasting. We want you to be a part of it. Uh, there's one other way that you can be involved. Um, I'm going to have you put up this slide. Uh, we're doing a reading plan together. And uh, this is uh, just a reading plan that's on the YouVersion Bible app. And here's what I want you to do. If you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, all you have to do is pull out your camera and you scan that little QR code, click the link, and it will take you right to that app. And you can uh, join the group. It's a seven-day reading plan. Very simple, uh, but it's seven days it's a short reading plan. There's a devotional and uh, usually a couple passages of Scripture, a couple verses. It's not going to take you more than maybe, I think it took me five minutes to read this morning. Uh, and then after you, you read it, it's kind of a, got some social features as well. You can share something that God spoke to you. You can see what other people in this group are, are saying as well. But this is going to challenge you to pray dangerous prayers. And it's, it's a really uh, great reading plan, so sign up for that. Be a part of that as well for the next seven days. It starts today. Today is kind of an introductory one. And then after that, um, there are six prayers that, um, that we're going to pray together as a church. Sound good? All right. Um, I'm going to close us in prayer this morning. Uh, I know this is not a typical um, Sunday morning. This may be a di little different than a message you'd normally hear. But I think this is important for us as a church to get our, our mind right, to start in agreement in the same place together. And uh, if you have any questions about fasting or prayer or anything like that, come talk to me afterwards. I'd love, I'd love to uh, answer them to the best of my ability as well. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that, um, that you have called us to be a part of this church, that you brought us together as the body of Christ. Lord, help us to be faithful in that calling, Lord. Help us to honor you with our lives and to, um, to continue to accomplish the incredible mission that you've given to us, to your church and to this church specifically. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.